How are we today? I'm your host, Tyler Coe. Welcome to my mental health show and our channel here on Twitch. You might be watching on YouTube or listening on Spotify. And remember that you can always do that. Listen or watch these recorded versions of the show on those platforms, along with a bunch of other audio platforms. So whatever you like listening on or watching, we got you covered. Um, so we have a really important topic to talk about tonight. Uh, so uh, if you know any parents, if you got parents, if you are a parent, this would be a great episode to watch. Um, and I kind of want to start off with something I got to do today that was really exciting. Uh, I made a new friend recently, which is always great, especially in your 30s. My God, that's so hard to do. Uh, but I visited a care farm today. Um, and if you guys don't know what a care farm is, it's basically just a place where people get to go heal by doing farm activities, uh, animal therapy. Some of you guys know about, you know, uh, equine therapy and stuff like that. Um, and this farm was really unique because it really goes after trying to help children and at-risk teens and young people, um, which unfortunately that number continues to grow, uh, at least here in the States, as I'm sure it does across the globe. Um, but it was a ton of fun. I got to see um, a couple dogs. I got to see a mini horse. There was a bunch of chickens and roosters. There was baby rabbits out there and one grumpy llama named Jacques. We got, we got to be friends kind of near the end, but it was a, it was a fun experience. And, and the friend that took me there, the, the owner of this place, um, is somebody that I heard speak at a mental health event specifically about children's mental health and how it's something that we still don't pay enough attention to, that the resources to um, uh, help out children are still not at the level that they need to be. Um, we need more funding, we need more resources was basically her message. And it was a really powerful one because we all know that we're all going through something in this pandemic, right? Um, and I imagine, because I know that I have and I do, that you've probably had or uttered this phrase, um, you know, how are kids gonna come out of this thing? Kids that are going through the pandemic, what are they gonna look like coming out on the other side? Because as adults, it's a little bit easier to kind of um, to deal with some of the things that are going on in the world. And, and not that it's completely easy for us, but maybe we have a little bit better um, time processing it. We have armor that we've built up over the years to kind of take these hits. Um, and it's a difficult thing, though, on the other side, for a child that might not have those skills and might not have those tools. And let's be honest, kids these days are growing up um, wildly different than people my age or, or before uh, in the age of social media and remote learning um, and having to deal with the world in a pandemic that none of us ever had to go through. I mean, it's a ton to go through. Um, and unfortunately, the fact of the matter is, is that children's mental health is in crisis mode right now. Um, and I wish I could tell you otherwise, but it's something that we've discussed on the show with multiple medical experts that addressing mental health needs of an individual at the youngest age is the most crucial of things to do when it comes to the future state of the mental health uh, issue in this world and the issues that we all deal with. Um, and with the current state of the world, we've seen children's mental health take a massive toll. Um, starting actually in early 2000, uh, or in, starting in early 2020, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, um, the proportion of children's emergency pediatric mental health visits rose from 24% to 31% in just a span of seven months. And prior to that, in 2019, the CDC reported that they found one out of every five children is going through a mental illness, but that only 20% of them are actually getting help. So what does that all mean? 
The point is, is that we already had an issue where we didn't have enough resources for children. And now that number of kids that need help is continuing to grow. And that's tough because we need more help, but we're not getting it. So lucky for us, um, we happen to know an individual that's going to be joining this show that is trying to help change that. That is a game changer. That's somebody that can speak to this in better ways that you and I could. So I want to introduce Dr. Pooja Patel, who is a pediatric psychologist, who is the assistant director for psychology for the Children's Psychiatric Access Network, also known as CPAN, and the Texas Child Health Access through telemedicine programs. And previously, she was the director of the psychosocial programming at the Children's Blood and Cancer Center where she provided behavioral health services for up to 10 years. And she's also involved in the training uh, of individuals um, that want to be future uh, clinicians. So she does a lot. She knows a lot. Um, she's somebody who has, I don't even know how many degrees. I, I wanted to put it in here, but it's just, <laughs> it's suffice it to say, Dr. Patel knows a thing or two about a thing or two. Uh, and like I said, she's one of the people that is creating change. So we are very excited to have her on the program tonight. So without further ado, I would love to welcome on Dr. Patel. So Doc, how are we doing today? Thank you so much for having me as part of this very important conversation. I'm excited to be here. And you made me sound really fancy. I don't know if that's all true. But. <laughs> well, Doc, I, I think, I mean, your record speaks for itself. Your resume is, is unbelievable, but also, you, you know, your passion for wanting to speak about this. So we're so happy to have you on the show tonight. Um, and yeah, no, you, you are very special. Anybody that is advocating for this change and is actually in the field and knows what it takes to make sure that this situation gets better. I mean, that's a massive help to all of us. Um, and so kind of like I mentioned at the top there is that, you know, we've seen a nationwide increase um, in mental health related emergency uh, department visits during the pandemic when it comes to kids. But I wanted to ask, what does that, what does that really mean? Um, specifically in terms of children, right? Of are these first time, uh, visitors are these repeat cases you know what what is really what does that really mean when we're talking about a nationwide emergency i think you know it's it's a little bit of both it's it's kids that are struggling for the first time ever and you know the rates of anxiety and depression have doubled it's kids that have challenges before that are even triggered further um, we are just noticing that kids are struggling across the board and it just can't be ignored and now we need to figure out what we need to do to help them. Right. I mean, and I think that's kind of the tricky deal, right? Because I know most people mm -hmm. aren't one for moral victories. But if there was a silver lining with the pandemic, it's out. all of us realized that we have mm -hmm. mental health issues that we need to address. And maybe we didn't think, you know, average Joe, I don't deal with that. I'm not mentally ill. Um, but that's a real thing. And it, it, it seems that, you know, we have that self-awareness as adults, right, to, to recognize those issues. But... Um, we know that, uh, you know, us being isolated and us not being able to see our friends or our family, we know how that affects us, but that's completely different for how it affects a child. So how does that lack of socialization for a child really affect their mental well-being? I think, you know, for kids, it can look different than it does for adults. So, you know, it might be that they're disrupted in their day-to-day -day functioning. They may not be able to do the things they enjoy. They might be irritable. Um just not really being able to be themselves. And so I think that 
To your point, I think that this has created more of awareness for kids and for us to notice that they're not doing well. The one thing I will say, though, is that kids are resilient. So if we can identify what they need and get them the supports in place, they are able to learn and use those tools to get better. And I think isolation and socialization, if for a long time prolonged, it is a challenge for kids because their identity and they're developing their sense of self through those interactions and navigating in the world. But there are also more than one way to do that. You know, in the pandemic, when they were isolated and at home, like if we use video chat, I think it gave us a little bit of an opportunity to get creative if we knew what was happening, if we knew what was going on with our child or with our children and when they were struggling. The first step is being able to talk about it and recognize it. And then we can kind of start to do things to support our children. So when you when you're talking to these kids, whether it's through a screen, which I know is just not the same, it's not the same for you and I sitting across because we can't feel those emotions. But the kids, even at a young age, do they even recognize what an anxiety could be like? Do do they are they able to tap into kind of like what they're feeling right now? A, A child as young as like five or six. Is that something they're even able to like process? That's a great question. You know, I think I do see kids as young as five and six and, you know, they do know worries. They do understand that concept. And I think um, they might not have the words exactly, but they do know something doesn't feel right. And they do know how they're comforted, right? They understand the feeling of what they need to feel secure, whether that be with a parent or whatever that object is that helps them feel comfortable and supported. Um, And we can start to have that conversation. And the first step in doing that is just increasing awareness of emotions in general, I think, and just kind of talking about mental health, not as a luxury, um, but as a tool that we all have. You know, when we think about mental health conditions, it's a medical condition. And so kind of stepping back to kids and having the conversation, it's talking about feelings, that it's okay to not be okay. And it is normal to worry. I think as adults, we can model that for our for kids. So we can talk about our own feelings like, wow, that made me feel really worried about that, you know, and here's what I'm going to do to feel better. So kind of thinking about that frame that kids do notice and understand emotions, they might not have exactly the right vocabulary, which we can teach them and help them understand. And knowing that feelings are normal, right? So we have that typical of anxiety of feeling sad or worried or mad. But where it becomes problematic is with this prolonged isolation or like with opportunities for just loss. And when we think about loss, we think about just our regular school days, loss of routine, loss of being able to see your friends, loss of doing the things you enjoy because your identity was playing baseball or being able to participate in that school activity. So just kind of thinking about those different things and how that can perpetuate those really difficult feelings that can later develop into things that we see as mental health conditions if they don't get the support that they need. So uh, I'd have to ask, cause I know it's gotta be a really tricky area because we're talking about early development and there's so many things going on. How are you able as a doctor to see between that to where we're just kind of dealing with the world and we're dealing with maybe problems at home to where this individual might actually have a mental illness going on right now? I'd imagine that's a really difficult thing to pinpoint. Great. That's a great point and a great question. And, you know, what we look for is, like I said, there is a normative level, especially with the pandemic of stress, anxiety, and depression that we expect. I think when it turns into a mental health condition or a diagnosable condition that needs help, it's when it's impairing levels of functioning, right? So kids aren't able to 
be in school. They were a really good student and now they're not able to pay attention. They're not able to function at the same level. Maybe they're more withdrawn. Um, for kids that get very sad if they're having thoughts of wishing they didn't exist. I think there are signs that kind of show beyond the norm of what we would typically expect for sadness anxiety where they get stuck and it's impairing with the way they are in the world. And especially for parents, they'll notice that their kids are, are just struggling and it doesn't seem like they can bounce back like they used to. And I think right there that that's got to be another difficult thing, you know, not only for you, but really for the parents. Um, and, you know, one of the experiences I've shared on the show multiple times is that I'm a volunteer for a mental health organization here in Central Texas. Uh, so we're going to middle schools, we're going to high schools, you know, those really crazy, pivotal, you know, puberty's mm -hmm. happening kind of years. Um, and after our presentations, we have kids come up, they'll, they'll ask questions, you know, a little Q&A afterwards. And unfortunately, the most common, if not the only question that we are asked is about mom and dad, or we're asked about the parental units of kind of a twofold issue of my, I don't know how to talk to my parents about this. And then on the other side, uh, my parents don't either want me to get help or don't believe in mental health. They don't believe in mental illness or that there can be something wrong. And I want to be careful when I say what I'm about to say next is because I'm not trying to generalize every parent because I know it's a very difficult situation. But parents can be a big roadblock in somebody trying to get help that is a young person. And I imagine this is a conversation and conversations you, you have on a daily ba uh, basis with different parents. You know, what is that like? And I know it's a, t it's a tough thing for me to talk to kids about, and I, and I can't really give them a solid answer because I tell them, hey, I'm not the expert. But, but what is it that you convey to parents when you see it on both sides of the coin uh, when it comes to that difficult conversation? Yeah, I think, you know, I feel like parents, most parents that I meet and interact with, they love their children. And so what the thing that might get in the way is their understanding of mental health. They might have stigma against it, given their childhood, their background. They might not just understand the ramifications of it. And so it's truly having that conversation that you you love your child and this is this is something that they really need help with. And just kind of joining with them in that way and providing the education around what it is, what is this mental health condition and how can we support them in getting better and achieving that common goal that we might have. And so whether that be, you know, doing well academically, seeing their child smile, Oftentimes when I meet with parents, they'll say, you know, I just want, I miss my child. I miss, I miss Joey. I wish Joey would come back because that depression has just taken over, right? And so I think it's helping them understand that there is this thing and they might not completely understand it, um, but helping them to know that they can help support their child. I do think that sometimes it's, you know, it is an uphill battle. And I think just overall, just discussions like this and just increasing awareness of mental health and that it is not something to be ashamed of. There's no stigma around it. It is a medical condition. I think that also helps overall send the message that it's okay to ask for help. The program that I'm in right now, um, it offers mental health services through the schools. And so kids can just go and, you know, they can get identified by their school counselors or their teachers. And you know, parents also have to join in and provide consent for services, but it just allows another avenue for kids to get help and to use their voice. Gotcha. Um, so talk to me as if I am a parent, because you, you kind of talked about this earlier as far as like how you can relate to a child without using maybe some of the harsh words that we as adults would use. So if I'm a parent, how do I talk 
to my kid about the pandemic or being isolated or anxiety in terms that they would understand? Like what, what would be some good words or phrases that, you know, parents could use for their child if they're struggling to figure out the verbiage? Yeah. So I know, you know, I know things have been really hard and I know that we've experienced a lot of change in our life and it makes sense that you are struggling right now. And I might even ask, tell me, tell me what this has been like for you, right? And have, have your child tell you and explain to you in their own words how this experience has been. Gotcha. And really say, and using that to kind of understand and, and join in that experience. I think so just basically listening and kind of letting them them play it out because I, I have two godchildren and they they're pretty well adjusted and they, they don't actually really even seem to care but I, <laughs> about the pandemic which is good it's like good I don't want you paying attention to this I'm glad this isn't affecting you but it is always something in the back of my mind whenever I'm talking to a young person about the right way to say things without it being too harsh because a lot of the yeah. the words we use when it comes to mental health like they can be scary they're long mm-hmm. words and like we don't really want to get into the minutia of all that so that that's difficult to do um i think the other part too with being able to talk to your kid and kind of like you talked about is how do i differentiate if i'm a parent you know how, how do i know they're actually going something like what what are specific things i can look for and you talked about you know you can't you know my kid is not there they're not smiling they're not um you know you know they're not interacting with their friends like are there other telltale signs that need to be somewhat of a red flag like that's that's interesting maybe they're not eating enough or sleeping like are there other things that parents could be looking out for that might not be that apparent definitely i think um so the things you pointed out tyler difficulty with sleep um being more irritable withdrawing just a change in functioning so if they are a kid that always likes to go out and do things and now they're kind of staying more to themselves um or they're just upset or angry all the time the things that they love doing, they are not interested in doing anymore. Um, I think those are all signs that you might might have a conversation and kind of understand a little bit more about what's going on. Um, definitely if their grades are declining or if they're finding themselves getting in trouble or fighting, um, using substances, any of those kinds of things that indicate that there's something else maybe going on, just kind of using that curiosity to say, I'm really worried about you. So, so that next step is, it's always hard to write, uh, right, to identify like, hey, we got something going on. But then when you get that, you're like, okay, we have an issue. We know we need to address it. But then the, the scary part, and I know that it's been my case growing up with trying to get diagnosed and go the right direction, that's scary because there's so many options out there and you don't know which way to go as a parent, okay? It's like, I got something going on with my kid. What are the next steps right there that are that are crucial? Who exactly do parents need to go talk to? What What is the right direction, or maybe not right, but best direction they can move in to start getting help for their kid? Sure. You know, I think once they notice something's going on, you can always go to your pediatrician. I feel like that's a really good place to go and just say, hey, these are the things I'm worried about. Can you help me? Can you tell me what you think about? Think about this. And, um, you know, they can do screening measures. Also, the school counselor is another person. Just thinking about your support system. Who do you trust? Who can you talk to? Um, and then when you're looking for a mental health professional, I know right now, as we're in the midst of a pandemic, right, um, and a mental health crisis, it's there are a lot of places that have long wait lists. And so kind of getting that access, I think, is the next big barrier to care. But I think the first step is just asking those support people for help, asking to figure out what's going on and uncovering this pro- this problem. Is this really depression or is this just 
a stressor that's like you need some coping and some support and just increased check-ins, like how much support and how much treatment do we need to help support your child? And I think that support, you know, obviously one of your passions and it's definitely mine is that there's a lack of it. You know, there's individuals mm -hmm. like yourself that are able to, you know, provide those services. But when we look across the country, you know, there, there's some stats out there in studies that show that some counties in this country only have one therapist for an entire county, which is just, it's mind boggling to know that. So, you know, one of the things we love to talk about on the show and get from individuals like yourself are, are not necessarily circumventing uh, the system, but let's say I'm a family, I don't have those resources. We don't have the insurance to deal with that. What are some of those sources that they can go to that are going to be cost effective for them or even maybe not cost anything at all that they can start going to? So I love the T-Chat program, which I'm a part of, and it's across the state of Texas. Um, we It's a free service. So if your school is in partnership with this program, you get five free sessions where you get to meet with a mental health professional and they will then connect you once they've diagnosed. So in my program in particular, here at Dell Medical School, we um, help do an assessment. We kind of just help uncover what is the mental health condition or challenge, create a treatment plan, start to give some skills, and then connect you to a community resource. So I will say the one thing that the pandemic has done is created an avenue for telemedicine, which has been phenomenal because what it allows us to do is it allows us to optimize on available supports via via the computer, right? So you can be in Houston, and we do lean to providers in Houston sometimes for specialty areas um, when it comes to trauma-focused CBT, and you know, or in Dallas or here in Austin if you're in a rural area and you need to be able to have a provider here right in Austin, you can do that. It's obviously not as nice as being in person, but it does provide that expert support that kids need because the thing that we do know is when kids get the right treatment they're able to get that support, they can get better. And so I think that is so important. And that is a challenge we have. Identify, get the support in place and get them started because they do have this amazing resiliency. That's, that's encouraging to know that there are those services that you can go to. I, I definitely want to check those out. Are those for adults by any chance? Like, could I, <laughs> could I maybe, <laughs> I don't want to cut in line, you know, and take away from a child. Yeah. Um, but it, but it is tough to find those those services, even for adults that that need to go do that. It really, really is. Um, and I'll, I know. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Doc. No, I was just going to say it's a conversation. It's a conversation that's just happening all the time is how do we increase There's so many ways. How do we increase the resources we have? How do we create and I opportunities? And I actually think that the answer is in prevention. So if we think about it, take it one step back and look at kids. And we talked about kids in early development. Let's teach all the kids, right, these um, creating like social emotional learning. And there are schools do have these curriculums, but really putting our resources towards that and creating ways to support them and understanding emotions, understanding how to cope. There's a lot of research that's been done that shows it's preventative. Like if you have this curriculum in place, then it prevents depression and suicidality later, especially in those pivotal ages, which is like middle school and in high school. Yes, I, I completely agree. I mean, I, I have that slideshow before every show uh, to kind of show folks that, that one stat that just blew me away. And it hit me hard because it's the amount of time that I spent not getting help. But that average age uh, period of time between onset of symptoms and then getting help is 11 years. And I'm somebody that struggled, started struggling around 12, 13 with my bipolar uh, disorder. And I didn't start getting help until my mid-20s. 
And so there's not really a going back in time, obviously, for a lot of people. But like you said, if we can shrink that number and get to kids earlier and start, like you said, preventative care and education, I mean, yeah, it's pivotal. It's We can build better lives through that process. Um, and, you know, the other thing that we love having on this show and that we've had a few doctors drop some gyms, so I, I'm curious if you have a few. Um, we learned a lot about grounding techniques on this mm-hmm. show. And so we've had some fun ones. Um, a friend of ours taught us about ice face, so using an ice pack on our face to notice thoughts. And then one called sticky thoughts where you write out, you know, something that you think about yourself that probably isn't true and sticking it on your forehead and moving it around your body. Um, And I think those things are very important, obviously. So when we don't have you to talk to or those services and we have to do it on our own, um, do you have any other techniques or things that you would recommend to somebody be like, look, we can't see the doctor right now, but this is what we can do at home together that Mm -hmm. could actually be helpful? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I have... I have a, a couple that I think are really, really helpful. I think, um, you know, I think the one that I find that I use, like as an adult, is just kind of grounding and I, um, as soles of my feet. And I literally just think about, I take all of my energy and all of my thoughts and think about putting them in my feet and feeling my toes and my feet on the ground and imagining myself as just kind of grounding myself on earth and as a part of a bigger thing that I'm standing here, not alone, but I'm grounded and not feeling um, so lost or stressed, but really focusing all of my energy downward. I'm trying to um, do that right now, doc. I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to send the feelings down there. That's um, something I'm going to have to try. That's a really good one. I like that. It helps me. And I think even when I'm walking, I use that as my feet to kind of say, I'm in this moment right now, because I think the next moment can be hard. And the moment I left behind me may be challenging too. But in this moment, in this present moment, here I am. And I think that as an adult is really helpful for me. Absolutely. I mean, I could use a lot more of that. It's so hard. Like you turn the corner and you're like, oh my gosh, pandemic. You turn another corner. It's like World War Three. It's like, oh my gosh, I can't, like, I can't look down the street without, you know, something bad popping up. Um, so what what do you call that exactly? Because I'm thinking in my mind like feet feelings, but I don't know if that's a great term. <laughs> Soles of my feet. So Soles just kind of like, feet. okay. Yeah. But I think it is, I think it's finding, finding the thing that brings you joy. You know, and I think about that for kids too, and whatever that is and almost kind of holding it with you and breathing it in. Um, but I do a lot of like physical, like self, um, self-soothing or just touch. So sometimes it might be like holding your hands together and pushing them in. Um, like pushing them against. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. Like and like squeezing them. Yeah. And so it is. And then it's just focusing all of your energy in that spot right there. And almost letting all of your stress kind of melt away as you just push in. Okay. And do you, uh, do I release it into the world? You can't. Yeah. <laughs> release it into the world. Oh, I love that. All right. Well, those are great. Those are definitely things myself and my community and hopefully anybody watching this, those will be good things to practice because why not? Right. Um, that, those are really good. Thank you for sharing those with us. Um, before I get you out of here, you've already kind of spoke to a little bit about this as far as the best ways to improve mental health for children. But what, what would be your message? What If you could see anything change right now or multiple things change that you're like, this would fix this, what, what would those be? 
I think it's such a such a big challenge. So that obviously not one thing, but I think what I have learned, especially from this pandemic, is that we together can come up with a solution. And I think what that means is that if we can help increase the message, spread awareness, we can have parents be a part of the conversation and support their kids and be open, have schools, just everybody come together and play a part in helping support these kids and acknowledging their feelings, getting them the help and the resources we need, helping funding from a kind of a greater community level for this preventative effort, and then just building on the resources for access to care. You know, And I think that is in knowing where all the opportunities to be able to see kids and help kids um, get the support they need and get the treatment they need so that they can find their joy. I think that's the ultimate piece and know that they're not alone. Cause I think that there's so much in this pandemic that is so hard. And I think that's for grownups, that's for kids. And before the pandemic things were hard. And I think now it's just gotten a little bit harder because we're still coming out of all of the ramifications and the challenges of learning and falling behind. And so it's knowing that this is hard but we're gonna get through it together and finding your support system of people that can help because if they don't know the answer, they'll lean on someone else to be able to help. That's a great message. Find your joy, we're not alone. I love that, that is the truth. Doc, thank you so much for joining us tonight. I appreciate all the uh, uh, the advice for our listeners and our watchers, uh, some good grounding tech, uh, technique uh, guys for us to practice. and. Uh, your message is so important. Your work is so important. So thank you so much for doing what you do. Um, the world needs more individuals like you. So hopefully we can we can start building on that and having more resources and support for this cause. So, Doc, thanks for the time. You're more than welcome to come thank back you. on the show whenever you want to. I love that. Thank you so much for this conversation and inviting me. Absolutely. All right. You have a good night, okay? Thank you. Bye-bye. See you, Doc. Dr. Patel. She was wonderful. Um and the work she's doing is so important. And you heard it right there. I mean, obviously, we all know mental health needs more support and more resources. But um, I think she gave us some really good phrases. If you are a parent or you're going to be a parent and these are things that you need to look out for your kid, um, is really like it seemed like kind of coming down to their level right um, and, and not using those harsh words. I still mess up because I'm, I'm not supposed to call it a mental illness anymore. It's supposed to be mental disorder. But it's that repetition of trying to remember those things and reinforcement. Um, so we really appreciate Doc coming on to share that and continue her great work. Because um, it's, I mean, it's so troubling, right? Um, and listen, these are the kids that are going to save us when we're older. When I'm 70 years old, I, I need, I need the, this kids curing cancer and being happy and making this world a better place. So we get, you know, more Ukrainians instead of more Putins. So hopefully that can be the future that we can look forward to. Um, well, that's going to do it for tonight's episode, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, however you got here, we'd love to have you come back. Remember that um, if you're watching the recorded version of the show, we do the show live uh, every week on Twitch, usually in the evening, so we try to stick to Monday nights. But just join our Discord channel, follow us on our social links uh, to keep uh, up to date with everything we're doing with the show. And we want you to get help. And like Doc said right there, you're definitely not alone. You're absolutely not alone. We're here with you. Please be a part of our community and then bring others in. Uh, so with that said, I hope you guys have a really good week. Take heart and take care.